Tanya and Jonathan talking to women about video games episode 8 unbelievable I can't believe that we have kept a solid schedule we've sustained our excitement and in yeah. fact we're gaining momentum the last episode we did yep Gender Trash is Cyberpunk, I think it was called. Uh, huge episode. Five guests. Suda51 on there. We oh, my Kaiju. gosh. It was it was like a lot of guests. It was a lot of guests. It was a lot of work, frankly, to, to put that together. And it was so worth it because it is, from what I can tell, going to be our most popular episode yet. We're I gaining... loved every second of it. It was. It was. It was good. I was worried it wasn't going to turn out good enough because it meant so much to me that it was good because I loved our guests so much on that episode. And I always want to do right by them. But, yeah. It seemed to turn out pretty good. I, I I did good. You did a good job. Yeah. And I was feeling it too. And I have to say, if we're going to leave 2020, we mm. might as well do it with a whole lot of good friends yeah. that we just met. Soon enough. So we lined up five clips yet again. But yeah. due to life, I didn't get to edit all of them in time. I only got to edit three, three folks who were not on the last episode. So they are getting their turn. We got Casey Explosion mm-hmm. back again. We got Caitlin, an old friend of mine who I used to host a show with. And we have a whole new person, Bex, who is a podcast reviewer and a teacher. A very interesting person. Yep. It's an episode that you could potentially listen to with your whole family. If they love video games and women. <laughs> so we should move forward. Uh, this week we're going to be talking about yep. sexism and sexiness. I can't think of a better way to start the year off right. <laughs> I've been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> yeah, it comes up a lot. It's yeah. uh, two things that are sensitive topics, often dramatic topics. People fight about these things a lot. But I think that there is ways to get aligned with them and feel good about them and enjoy just talking about them because they're they're very interesting. They're very human. Things. And I think it's in every video game you could possibly think of in some way or another. These days, yeah, yes. I'm trying sure. to think of outside of Tetris and whatnot, those sorts of games, right. all the major games of the past 20 years or so can be looked at in this way. Uh, One thing though, we did record five segments. I didn't get to all of them. Kaiju and Tonberry aren't gonna make it to this episode, unfortunately. They did awesome recordings with us and I'm gonna be working on editing mostly me out of them when I go on (laughs) tangents. So Whatever do you mean, Jonathan? Oh geez, if they only heard the unedited versions of this where I suddenly say, oh, did I tell you about the Wii Remote's very first prototype back in (laughs) 2004? I really go on some old tangents. And you're like, what you know about that? Let me tell you more anyways. (laughs) (laughs) That's another thing. Another thing I do. And yes. then he texts me and says, Does it sound like I'm mansplaining? <laughs> and you say, No, you're just excited. <laughs> you're just excited about this topic. That's it. It doesn't have to do with the fact that you're a dude. I mean, you'd be excited and explaining if you were a lady. I suppose. But as we're going to talk about when it comes to sexism, men often have a certain seat of privilege. And I like the mansplaining terminology because it kind of turns it around and says like you know you i have this male privilege in your life well i'm going to show you the other side of it a little bit you know i should use my privilege in a little bit more responsible way and let other people talk for gosh sakes well this could be a goal for you this year big time my goal actually for this episode is to talk as little as possible but before we get to me meeting that goal we have this clip with caitlin a whole new segment called 
quizzing Caitlin with crazy questions or something. I can't. I, I called know, it something but... really. I boy, I am so bored with myself, as I think you probably know, and that's part of why I pick on myself for mansplaining. And I'll get bored with my own theme songs and be like, I can't just call it quizzing Caitlin with crazy questions. I need to call it Quetzqual Caitlin and quiz her with crazy. I'll put qua in everything. Everything. Just to keep me from getting bored. And it kind of sucks, I think. Well, let the listeners decide. You're about to hear this theme song. I mean, this is your show. You can do whatever you want. That's true. But I do want the listeners to have the best experience of their life (laughs) every time they hear it. So let's cut over to Caitlin. And these crazy questions. It's time to quiz Caitlin with Houthi questions. I'm here with Caitlin, former host of the Huge News of the Week show with me, my old friend. We've known each other for, for I think, 10 years now, Caitlin? Even longer. 2010, I think, is when we met. We've been video journalizing, video game journalizing here and there, PAX East a lot of the time for for years and years. So I know you're an expert on video games. You're one of my go-to experts on video games. (laughs) I try to be. So when I knew I had to start a quiz section of this podcast, I knew you should be the very first and very best and maybe only contestant ever quizzing Caitlin with Kooky. Quick, <laughs> I can't even, remember the name of that. can't even remember the name of the segment anymore, but the, the, the theme song is already played, so people will know. And we're going to do a special, special quiz today on video games. Are they sexy or are they sexist? Isn't that exciting? They're always sexy, <laughs> is, the, is the answer. But I can't wait to see. Maybe that's true. So so we have seven questions, and I think one, an eighth bonus question today. And we took, actually, me and the panel of judges looked at my history of sexual video games. <laughs> They're not my games. The, my, my history of playing games that had sexual content in it from the, 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 the beginning to the most recent. And we went over and said, is this sexy or is this sexist? And we came up with the definitive, objectively true answers for those questions. And we're going to find out if you know those answers, sexy or sexist. Are you ready, Caitlin? Oh, absolutely. Great, great. So the first one is the ending of Metroid 1 when you get the best possible ending and Samus reveals herself to be a woman in a bikini underneath that yellow and red spacesuit. Is that sexy or is that sexist? It's sexy. Yeah. No, Whoa, it's, no, right off no the questions bat. asked. You got it right. That is <laughs> sexy. Because to find out that a character who you thought you knew can transform and reveal themselves to be a sexual being is a very sexy thing. It's a wonderful thing. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Are you ready for your next question? Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm definitely not on mute. <laughs> Good. Just taking a little break. That's no problem. So jumping back into the game show segment. Number two is Galago 13 for the Nintendo Entertainment System has a scene where Duke Togo, a.k.a. Galago 13, meets with a woman in a hotel room. And they have a little conversation. Then the camera, in a very cinematic way, for especially for the Nintendo, pans out to the outside of the hotel where they're staying and you see just their silhouettes in the window. And the two, two adults embrace in what is presumably adult sexual contact. The lights go out and Duke Togo's health goes up in what is, again, presumably a sexual connection. Is that sexy 
Or is that sexist? It's definitely sexy. Yes! I mean, there is... Yeah, there is nothing wrong with that. Two consensual adults having a sexy time in a hotel. And, you know, I haven't played it in a little while, but at the time it made me feel like, yeah, sex is okay. In fact, sex is good for you. Sex can give you your health back. Nothing to be ashamed of, gang. I was looking forward to being an adult someday and having the lights go off and getting my health back and not knowing exactly what that even means, but knowing it was going to be good. So gave me some good sex positivity there. All right, moving on to number three. Leisure Suit Larry and the Land of the Lounge Lizards, one of the first games I ever saw that even tried to broach the topic of real life sex. This was poking fun of people, men in particular, who were looking to to meet women just for sex. Leisure Suit Larry being the guy they were making fun of. But at the end of the game, first he seems to have sex with the blow-up doll. And then meets a woman in a hot tub after having sex with the blow-up doll and has sex with her as the fireworks go off. Sexy or sexist? So this is a tough one, but I gotta go with sexist. Oh, yes! Tell me more about that. You got it right. Yeah, yeah. Why did you think this one was sexist? Well, um, the woman doesn't talk. She looks (laughs) at an apple and then I think eats the apple. And then the juice runs down her mouth, and then they have sex. So to me, there's, you know, just a little bit of objectification there. But, um, you know, the blow-up doll, you know, that I, that you could maybe not count that as sexist. That might be sexy. But the woman eating the apple, a little bit, uh, to me, a little bit sexist. Plus, you turn the bubbles on and off in that game. I forgot you watch her boobs. Her. I forgot you watch her boobs in in-game boob movement. And this was the 1980s. This was a big deal back then. A lot of text in that game, just like a still image and then text over it. The Apple thing, not all that subtle in terms of being a, a, a sin, a biblical metaphor for sex being sin a little bit. And also, this is something that just occurred to me recently. When he has sex with the blow-up doll first, I felt like that was almost making fun of the game. Because if you're getting horny about this game, Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards, it's a little bit like having a sexual relationship with a blow-up doll because they're both fake. They're both there just for uh, a man's fantasy without there being any real soul or connection there. So I'm with you. And the judges agree. Sexist. Sorry, Larry. You struck out that one. Next up, we've got Incredible Crisis, a game on the PS1, sort of a mini-game collection, a wacky slice of life game about a little family though they're caught up in as the title says an incredible crisis involving terrorists and aliens and whatnot and there's this scene where the married middle-aged salary man ends up on a ferris wheel with a beautiful woman in red insidious in some ways but very very sexual you end up on a ferris wheel with her the camera pans out and you have to massage her for some reason i'm not sure if it ever explains why and there's a lot of groaning and moaning and you have to move to certain areas areas of her body that you can't even see. It's a real guessing game for the man. And once you find the right place, you're supposed to jam the X button really hard. And she goes, yeah, you did it, yeah. Really, really sexually alive, it seems. And then after she's gratified, uh, she tries to blow you up with some dynamite. So, Caitlin, what do you think of this scene? Sexy or sexist? Definitely sexy. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. (laughs) 
I mean, what's right. not sexy about a woman throwing a bomb into a Ferris wheel after getting an excellent massage? She is the winner and, and is very empowered, isn't she, in this scene? Some would say, some would even argue that she's painted as both sexual and evil and therefore is living into this femme fatale stereotype that women who are sexual are also evil. But if you relate with her, if you empathize with her and see the story from her side of it, she got awesome massage and then she's like a fun uh, spy who jumps out of the Ferris wheel and blows things up and jumps onto the helicopter and has a great time. So yes, very sexy to be that woman. Moving on, we've got God of War. Where Kratos busts through a wall. He's really rough and masculine. He's so fiery and pissed off. And there's just two naked women in a what seems to be a hot tub. He jumps in there and you gotta press buttons, not unlike Incredible Crisis, in order to activate the sex. And as he's presumably having sex with these two women, the camera pans over to a statue of a peeing boy. And the better you sex with those women, the harder the boy pees until his pee just explodes into a, a burst of pee all over the place. It's just a pee-gasm of video game proportions. <sighs> what do you think, Caitlin? Sexy or sexist? I gotta call this one sexist, Jonathan. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> well, look, you know, I see the peeing boy. He's, you know... He's peeing, but where's where's the the what's his face's penis? Like all I'm oh, Kratos. They couldn't show yeah, Kratos. that. Kratos. Yeah, they no, couldn't they... show that, but they could show the they could show the two boobtacular women just waiting for it. But yeah, they're, where's... they're, they're pure sex objects, and they yeah. look like it's it's very strange to me. Even now, they look like they have had breast implants, even though they're completely fictional people. They could have just made boobs. That look like real boobs, but instead they decided to go for boobs that look like fake boobs in ancient Greece having sex with the angry God of War guy. And it's, it's yes, you could definitely call it sexist and just sort of mean to sex in general. It makes sex seem like uh, it, it's, it's as fun as, as peeing, which I think it should be more intimate. And unless you like peeing in your sex, I shouldn't be so judgmental. But before I get myself in more trouble, I'm going to move on. Thank you for the excellent answer. And as, as so far, I mean, what are you? One, two, five for five, with just a few more questions to go. So far, you're doing very well in this quiz, Caitlin, but don't get cocky. <laughs> we're gonna see how you do in this next one next we've got heavy rain for the ps3 a more intimate sex scene between the guy there whatever his name is the the father of the kids sean and jason jason i remember the kids names but his name i can't remember right now he has sex with that woman and you gotta press the buttons at the right time but unlike kratos they actually show a lot of it this time you're unbuttoning your pants and you have to like push down down left right in order to tongue kiss properly like really push your face on the other face of the person and the the polygons are clipping and the the jeans are all coming off the tight jeans polygon jean textures all up in your face is this sexy or sexist it's sexy i mean again it's con it's consensual you know we don't remember their names we don't really remember the plot um but nobody cares because 
there's a sex scene and they're just having fun. But you could botch it and never actually go through with it like I did in my playthrough of Heavy Rain. That's right. So I didn't so actually it... see this in my game. <laughs> that was a first for you. Yeah, you were telling me that. Uh, yes, it is not the sexiest scene, but if you had to choose between sexy or sexist, it is more sexy than sexist. Absolutely right. So now moving up to Cyberpunk 2077, you can go as a woman and hire a male prostitute for sex. And then immediately after having sex with this man, you can go and talk to somebody you know, another another woman, then have sex with them. You can have sex with men and women in a row and sort of feel something from it. And it's all done POV style. I don't think you ever... For some reason, you never take your own underwear, it seems. Often these sex sexual encounters, there's a lot of sort of cutting away and things seeming sort of like, did it really happen? Or are they afraid to show this? I can't, it's a very strange creative decision they made. And this is from the, the team who made The Witcher, at least the company that made The Witcher, had I think 16 hours or something of sex scenes in their last game. But the, this game also has a lot of sex, but it's, it's it seems almost self-censored. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but in terms of your options, you got options out the wazoo for sex. So what do you think, Caitlin? Sexy or sexist? Oh, it's sexy. I mean, I watched both sides of it. The the woman, you know, she does a little dance, a tasteful one, and then but you are wearing your pants the whole time, which I didn't notice. <laughs> it's fine. Um and the guy, you know, he's wearing like a like a 90s candy raver uh, outfit, and you know, it's all good fun. Sexy. It's consensual. Well, it's paid, and you know, that's fine. They're paid working consensual it. sex work. Yep. And it's it's a, a woman turning the tables and saying, I'm going to have sex with you, sir. And he says, Absolutely. I will show you my sex techniques. And they they have some good, clean fun. It's uh it's <laughs> it's weird what it's what has come to this future, but this is uh the hottest video game in the world right now, and this is the hottest sex scene, I'm supposing, in the video game world as well. So fantastic. You've gotten all the answers right. Now, the one last bonus question, if you if you choose to accept it, do you want to take this bonus question, Caitlin? Absolutely. Oh, exciting. So this, if you win this, then you win everything. You win all the marbles, as they say. In the movie, being John Malkovich, John Cusack, whatever his character's name is, the puppeteer does a little puppet show with a woman, I think, wants to have sex with a priest. And she, the, the puppet of the woman is rubbing up against the door and the priest is kind of humping the air. And it's very much to me like a lot of these video game sex scenes we just talked about, where you really feel like the, the developers of these games wanted to put on a real sexy show for you. But all they really have to work with is puppets, because when you are playing a video game, it is sort of like controlling a puppet and the best you can do in terms of a physical sensual experience is press some buttons and watch the the puppets move so so that's what john cusack does in this john valkovich movie but he's really really putting his heart into it i'm wondering is that sexy or is that sexist <laughs> well as i can attest to because i actually saw this movie for the first time uh literally a week ago with my wow. mother uh right before Good. christmas <laughs> so we watched the scene Perfect. together um and it is definitely sexy <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, i have such mixed feelings now that i know that when you had to watch this very sexy scene in a film you did so with your mother around the holidays which is often 
not a very sexual time. The the sexual Christmas is not usually what folks are are looking to have when it's just a, a family get together. And you were you were stuck watching John Malkovich with your mom. What was that? What was that like? <laughs> well, you know, we looked at each other and we said, we just want to watch a weird movie. And um, you know, my husband Ed was like, Well, do I have a weird movie for the two of you? And <laughs> We watched being John Malkovich, and uh, we never looked back, Jonathan. We uh, that's great. We don't it. Oh, that's so good. That's such a good, honest adult family experience where where everyone moved forward, took the risk, and it paid off from the sounds of it. So, couldn't be happy to hear that. Well, well, Caitlin, you are a big winner as I expected. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I don't know if you noticed, Tony, but the end of that theme song has a little bit of a clip that I actually had to hold the microphone up to the speaker of a video game to get the soundtrack from Katamari Damashi. Oh my gosh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Have you been holding that in your back pocket this whole time? I have. That's it's, it's, so funny. It's hard to hear. That's it's, my favorite game. I know, and Caitlin loves it too. You uh, and Caitlin would get along super duper well. Can we play it together? We are, Who knows? We are old you buddies. never know. Hopefully, I'll get to introduce you to one of these days. It was the You Are Smart Sample. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh Caitlin my gosh. Because super smart. And she's so humble about it. One of my th- favorite things about Caitlin is... She feels compelled to be there for people, even when she's not interested in the topic. Like she may have been totally bored with all of those questions, but she still showed up and was so present. I once asked her, what happened in Captain America 2, The Winter Soldier? Mm -hmm. She saw it before I did. And she said, oh, um, Captain America like thinks about going out with one of his neighbors Mm -hmm. in the apartment building. And it's like sort of a will they, won't they? And then he does some laundry. I'm like, you don't care about that movie at all, do you? She's like, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, but she really wanted to, she wanted to tell make it me a good experience she, for you? <laughs> tell me what she remembered. But she didn't care about that movie at all. All she remembered was the laundry scene, which I don't recall. Well, she's whatsoever. a better woman than I then. You're both I, wonderful women. I don't know that I could have that fortitude <laughs> to put that effort in when I don't care. You do this show with oh me every gosh, two weeks. Oh my gosh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you put in the fortitude. So really interesting, though, to have the divide between sexism and sexiness, as we were talking about, and for her to just openly say a couple of games that she actually likes. I know she likes Leisure Suit Larry. She thinks that's yep. funny, classic Sierra, point and click. She's not a big fan of God of War. That said, if she liked a game, she would call it sexist because it's okay to point out that stuff you like has some issues with it. Just like if you're friends with people, you can call them out on their stuff now and again. Right, right. And uh, calling yourself out on your stuff. It's good to be self-critical at times. Though right now in games, there's this really weird thing going on where the developers of a game, I think it's Top Hat Studios or something. I'm a little reticent to even talk about it because I think they're trying to drum up attention by saying they're getting attacked and they may take the fact that I'm talking about the fact that they're doing this as an attack and then use uh, that to get more attention. I know it's a real inception it, yeah, situation of you know, talking about people talking about getting attacked and then they say This is what they a, want. This, You're doing this, what they, they want. They may be, but this is what I want too, which yeah. is just to talk to the listeners yeah. about stuff and see what they think of it. So they're making a game, I believe it's called Sense, a cyberpunk ghost story. 
Ooh. And it seemed to be latching on to the cyberpunk trend that we talked about yeah. last episode a little bit. And it's a point-and-click game, kind of like Leisure Suit Larry. So I was like, well, I'm on board. And every woman in it has huge boobs and doesn't wear a lot of clothes. And right. they, they walk with a with a butt strut. There's butt sticking out. And they're definitely looking to be looked at, it seems. Mm-hmm. Though they're also, like, scared of ghosts and stuff like that. And it, it reminded me a little bit of a franchise I really love called Fatal Frame where the women tend to be pretty attractive, but I enjoy those games and I'm attracted to some of those women because I empathize with them so much. Mm -hmm. I'm scared of death. I'm scared of ghosts. So when I see someone also being scared of ghosts and fight against it, I'm like, oh, I care about you. Empathize with them. And if they're also like pretty attractive, I'm like, okay, two for one, empathizing and you're aesthetically pleasing. This could work for me. So this developer making a game, I think about cyberpunk and ghosts and sexy women, they suddenly announced We are getting death threats because people think our game is too sexy. But we will not censor it. We're fighting for you, the gamers. We will not be called sexist. We Mm. are doing the right thing. We are morally strong and will not give in to the pressures of the woke generation and all this (laughs) nonsense. And I'm like, are you really, though? So they announced this on Twitter. And in my experience, as someone who's been attacked online for being sexist, because I've screwed up a lot in the past, When you're being attacked online and you announce I'm being attacked online, on Twitter in particular, people are going to come out into that tweet and attack you some more. But the tweet where they announce they're being attacked, all it has is like hundreds of people saying, I'm going to pre-order your game. We need to stop Uh, these. There's no one, no one knows or cares about This is a marketing scheme. I think so. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of games that are much more sexually objectifying to women than this one that people just say, oh, well, that's the genre. That's the porn horny game genre. Oh, a cat. Oh, the cats are coming. Uh, It it was like, we just got like (laughs) both sides (laughs) completely like bombarded with cats and one's eating out there and I keep wanting to. Oh, I hear the dingle thing. Yeah, I've been, I was like, I was like, Oh my gosh, this I is a real slice of life. Out. It's okay. okay. Tanya has a podcast about cats. If you want to hear more about it, we'll just plug it early. <laughs> the Kitty Cats podcast. Great show. So, as we were saying, I think these folks are maybe pulling the wool over our eyes, but the only reason they can do that is because people who get called sexist feel so objectified and feel so demonized. They feel like they get treated like the bad object. And they say, oh, I just like sexiness. They think that you can't like sexy things without being sexist. I see them as totally different. Almost everything I like that's sexy is not sexist. And everything that I see as sexist, I'm completely not turned on by. But these are guys, and I think it's mostly guys, who think, well, if I'm going to be horny, that means that I'm bad and I'm sexist. They don't know that there's a way to be turned on by how somebody looks and not be sexist about it. But you, a pole dancer, you may have some thoughts on this. I definitely do. Sexy and sexism and sexist behavior, Mm. that's a big part of pole dancing. And in fact, I just, sometimes I don't even love saying pole dancing um, because it's like, well, there's pole fitness. Okay. Pardon me. I'm fine with pole dancing, but there's a lot of places that are pole fitness studios and it kind of is a problematic thought process because pole dancing originated from stripping and strippers and sex work. Mm. And now it's becoming much more mainstream and people are going to pole 
quote unquote fitness studios. Um, and brands are kind of monetizing that to make it into more of a fitness genre. Whereas pole dancers and strippers are kind of like, don't forget about us. You know, mm. we're, we're, this is the culture it comes from. Um, stripping and things like that. So sure. there is a big, almost like what you're saying. I'm trying to think of the word. Well, what is it was it? like a scandal about um, shoes recently. Oh, right. Yes. And the shoes being, stop me if I'm remembering this wrong, but he told me about this. The shoes were being marketed not as pole dancing shoes or... No, they were being marketed as pole fitness shoes and not stripper shoes. Right. And um, the whole pole community just flipped out and was like, no, these are stripper shoes. That That's what they are. That's what they've always been. It's not, um, it's not like, yes, it's part of athletic wear, but it's not pole fitness shoes. Mm-hmm. And uh, the company ended up making a big apology. It, it was kind of like trying to say that stripping isn't okay or sex work isn't okay. Right. And honestly, if you're in the pole dancing community, stripping and sex work is part of it. Yep. And the difference is that people get paid um, to dance in certain arenas and other people do it because it's fun and it's a hobby and it's something they like to do. Both involve being sexually empowered Mm. and feeling sexy. I think the big issue is agency. Mm. So whether or not it's something that you control yourself as a person and feeling like, you know, this is um, me embracing my my sexuality and expressing myself through dance or it becomes sexist when you are doing it without agency Mm. or you're being objectified or for example club fees strippers paying a lot of money for club fees and not having a lot of power over that so that is a a big thing about it too i could go on and on and on super interesting and relates in so many ways to the kind of constant conflict that's happening in quotes, video game culture, unquote. Definitely. Because it is something that people are really impassioned about. There's a lot of energy there. And folks sometimes want to take that energy and use it to get attention for themselves sometimes in order to, like as we're talking about with this game developer, generate some drama that then can lead to them growing their brand and whatnot. I don't know if that's what was happening with people calling out the the shoe makers for not calling the shoe the right kind of shoe. Right. It seemed to me, when you told me about it, a little bit like there are bigger fish to fry out there. Like women get treated really, really badly. And for you to get mad at folks who are trying to make shoes for women to empower them, but you didn't call it the right thing. On the other hand, of course, sex workers get demonized constantly. And for their space that they created, pole, to kind of get taken over by maybe some sex shaming people or right they're like this is our safe place and and you are supposed to be the company that helps boost us up and and recognize us and that kind of thing and when you take that away when you unname us when you take away what is so important to us and what builds our community you're it's like you're saying you are bad yeah and and that was supposed to be the one company, it's the biggest shoe company in the uh, United States for, uh, for pole dancing sure. and strippers. So for that company to do that. Did they apologize? They did right away. Mm-hmm. And they explained themselves. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, honestly, they're the they're the highest quality for the cheapest price shoes. Strippers and pole dancers are just going to be buying their shoes. <laughs> no matter they're, what. They're, yeah, they're yeah. just like, 
So they didn't have to apologize, but they cared enough about the community to do it, it sounds like. Well, yeah, but people still feel like the apology's not good enough, you know? I, I bet. Yeah. And that's where I get into people... So there's this thing in psychology, barely talking about video games right now, but yeah. people are going to have to... Hey, it's episode eight. You're going to have to... Deal with us. Deal with us at this point. We've talked about video games enough. We're talking about psychology and pole dance. And there's this thing called the Cartman Drama Triangle, which explains mm -hmm. everything that happens online when it comes to some feud you might be seeing. The Cartman Drama Triangle has three roles, victim, victimizer, and protector. And if you can claim you are the victim, then people will feel totally, totally good about themselves and totally entitled to protect you and attack whoever you claim is the victimizer as long as you want. So, oh no, the woke people are after me. I'm gonna protect you by paying for your game and I'm gonna attack woke people now. Coming to the rescue of the person claiming victimhood. And it's oftentimes like rich YouTubers, PewDiePie. PewDiePie is done. Oh yeah. PewDiePie was just named most handsome man of 2020 by some list. That's a, I feel very confused about people who think he's that sexy. Like he's an attractive guy, but he is not the most handsome man of the entire. But I think part of the way he got there is he played victim forever. He's making millions oh, really? a year. Oh yeah. So they're calling me racist. They're calling me a bad person. Sure. I make rape jokes. Sure. I paid some, <laughs> some guys in Jonathan's India. Jonathan's laughing at my face <laughs> know, right now. <laughs> he paid some guys uh, in, in a southeastern country, I think, to hold up a sign saying like Jews are bad or something. What? Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's Why just would a joke. You... Uh, oh my God. Anyone picking on me? They're, they're the mean ones for picking on me for just doing a joke. It, it happens all the time. If you can brand yourself as a victim and an asshole who makes assholes feel good about themselves for being assholes, millions, millions to be made. I recently said aloud on Twitter.com that if Archie Bunker were alive today and he smoked a lot of weed, he'd probably be making millions on his podcast. Like, these guys are all just oh, like... Oh, yeah. Do you remember Archie oh, Bunker? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all yeah. All the family, it's kind of old. Oh, sometimes uh, I do the song. It's a great and, and song. And I really try to imitate it well. Oh, we should sing that later. <laughs> I love both parts. I love doing the Edith and the Archie yeah, I part. I bet you do. do you? Yeah. <laughs> I can totally see that. You'll hear that later. <sighs> so we should move forward. We had such, such fun just, uh, just kind of shooting the stuff. I'm really trying not to swear. <laughs> you shouldn't. You shouldn't worry Should so I much. S H I T. Yeah. Should I say it? Shit's okay. Oh. Shit ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's the other ones that aren't okay. <laughs> I'm just con confused about how to talk and not swear. No, you're and fine. Hurt people's gentle constitution. So next we have a clip from Bex, who is going to talk about criticizing one of her favorite games for being sexist. Resident Evil 4. She's going to talk about Resident Evil 4 and how she would like to see it remade in order to be less sexist and more feminist. And it's a hoot. Check it out, everybody. What if this game was remade by feminists? I wonder if misogynists would be sad and would that be so bad? So we're here with Bex. So excited to get started with this new segment where we're going to talk about Remaking a video game through the guest's lens. Bex, what what game do you want to talk about and what lens do you want to apply to it? I am too. I want to talk about one of my favorite games of all time. I want to talk about Resident Evil 4. 
And we are going to be applying a feminist critique lens to it, um, which in this case is going to use the traditional definition of a feminist literary lens. Holy, are you a professor? How did you, what the heck was that? I was expecting like, oh, yeah, let's just talk about Mario, but what if he was sexy or something? But instead you're, you're coming at it with all this f- fancy book learning definitions. This is great. Where 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 do you come from, Bex? I, this is the first time we talked, so I'm still getting to know you. What, where'd, you where, where'd you come from with that? I was born and raised in Los Angeles. No, um, we'll skip ahead a little. I was always a book nerd, but I currently teach English, high school English. So I teach uh, junior English three and AP English literature. And we talk about literary lenses in my literature class, like my AP class. And so, um, and I often use video games as examples because um, video games can skew a bit sexist. I don't know if anyone's noticed, probably not. Um, and, uh, and so I often tell my students that what occurs on the internet is that people seem to think that they can't love something and also find fault with it at the same time. Mm. It causes some kind of cognitive dissonance or something. And so I stress to my students that you can love something and also critique it and it doesn't detract from your love at all. And I bring up Resident Evil 4 as my example um, because it has a lot of flaws, but it's also one of the best games of all time, in my opinion. So that's so excited to hear more about this. But I want to hear more about you and how you discover the game and and what you make of the story and how you would remake it because they are actually remaking it. So. Maybe I know I'm so excited remake- to I'm just I'm so excited for that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Jump jump right in. I'm nerding out. In college, the person who would eventually become my husband brought his PS2 over to my my roommate's apartment and he had a copy of Resident Evil 4. I never played a Resident Evil game. The name Wesker meant nothing to me. The name Ada meant nothing to me. I didn't know anything about the series, but when he got bored playing it, he was like, "Hey, do you want to try?" And my response was, I don't think so, because like I have diagnosable anxiety. And so I stay very far away from like horror games and FPSs and things that could aggravate that because I assume I'd be bad at it. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was like, you know, you could just drop it after five minutes if you don't like it. And I was like, okay. so I I picked it up and hours later (laughs) I was still playing and I must have played it through in just a couple days. I was addicted immediately. Um, To the point where I've now played it on almost every console that it is ported for. So I accidentally (laughs) played the game on hard mode. So I didn't know that flashbangs insta-killed the squiddy head zombies. And I didn't know that you could change weapons in the shooting range. So I did the whole shooting range minigame with just the pistol, just the handgun. Oh my god! And I was like, God, this is hard. I wish that I could change weapons. And then one of my playthroughs, I... uh, I just went, wait, why did I convince myself I couldn't? I'm just going to try changing weapons. And I did. And I just, I wanted to like run down the street screaming and pulling my hair out. I couldn't believe that I'd done that myself. You must be so good at it then to be able to pull that off, to, to have those limitations on you from the start. When you play without them, you must be just zooming through it. Well, I don't want to brag, but yes, I've gotten quite good at it. Um, you know, my husband, uh, had me, he was playing it on the switch and he was like, I can't get through this part. And, um, I was like, oh, you've been just going through your ammo, huh? So I had to just kind of back to the wall, you know, tell Ashley to shut up, you know, and get through that. Speaking of getting Ashley to shut up, um, we we are going to be applying a, a literary lens to this, this game. And uh, talking about, I mean, posing the question of what a feminist remake of this game would look like is is so fascinating to me. I've been pondering over that for a while. Yeah, it's, I want to hear uh, more about that. So, so yeah. how feminist do you think it is as it stands? And 
off the top of your head, what are some things you might change to make it more feminist under the definition you're using today? Yeah, so the snapshot to look at would be the introduction of Louise to Ashley, where he compliments her ballistics. So the first thing that this grown man does when he sees this apparently 20-year-old woman, played by Sandy Squirrel herself, is look at her chest, call her breasts ballistics, and then she gets all indignant, like, oh, my figure has nothing to do with my standing in politics. And then they just move on. And Luis is somebody we're supposed to think of as the bad boy, but we like him too. And I mean, something about Luis and Leon is they're both hot. As a teenage girl playing, I was like, yes, I'm into this. With Ashley, is that's not how I would have reacted if somebody just met me and immediately summed me up by my female body parts, I guess. So so that kind of like sums up the game's feminism level or lack thereof. And then as you say, you do play as Ashley once, but look at the way that she dodges when you do a quick time event with her. The first time that I did a quick time event with Ashley, which is when these giant suits of armor are about to like fall down on her with their big axes or whatever, I thought I failed it because she fell on her butt. And I was like, oh, no. And then the next time I really did fail it and she took an axe to the face, walked away from it beautifully. Well done. Um, and I was like, no, her falling on her butt was a success. That was how I successfully dodged as Ashley. I wasn't lying earlier when I said I was from Los Angeles. I'm a huge anti-gun liberal. You couldn't pay me enough to touch a gun. But if I was in Ashley's situation and some dude from America found me in a closet and I, the first thing I yelled at him was don't come and it was really awkward and he said I'm here to rescue you the first thing I would say is give me a 30 second tutorial you have a briefcase full of guns give me one you don't use a lot and teach me how to shoot it and instead we have at the world's longest escort mission Ashley crouching behind Leon getting shoved into a dumpster you know getting kidnapped constantly like I found myself cheering every time she got kidnapped because I didn't have to carry around her dead weight anymore and that's not exactly what I would call feminist no that's not exactly what I would call feminist either what a fantastic establishment of the issues with Resident Evil 4 and I love this game to to bits don't don't get me wrong oh yeah like, me like too you said you can and I, I find that engaging with critique of something you love is just another way to connect with it so it's it's all it's all done in a, in a loving way also knowing that the creators of the game they probably didn't give this a ton of thought they were really focused on just creating a scenario that would stimulate our brains and keep us playing and and not so much as far as i can tell telling a real story of, of any kind but they could now that they're remaking it they could decide they could. to take all this investment that they've rightfully earned in millions of people and and grow something really meaningful out of it so what would you do if you were remaking resident evil 4 to make make it more feminist i would take ada out of the red dress it's she looks hot in it i love it i love the cutscene where it's all slow-mo and whatever but you know she just wouldn't be wearing that's not a good infiltration outfit her her special outfit if you choose the special outfit option um, when you play through where she's just in tactical gear is much more appropriate. And so I would oh, just sure. put her in that. And then I think that, I mean, they kind of did this with Resident Evil 5, you know, where you have kind of a female sidekick, like player, possible player, player character. Yeah. But I believe that the computer plays her if you're playing single player. Yes. Um, and so I think that they could probably do something like that with Ashley, where you give her a gun and maybe even have to manage her inventory as well as yours in a kind of strategy sort of way. And I was thinking about this, and I think that it would be really fun if 
she kind of just like tried to help out with hordes of zombies and stuff. You can still stick her in a dumpster sometimes, I guess, if you really want to. It's dirty in there, but whatever. Um, but what if she was the one doing the shooting range mini game? Hmm. Like, what if that was her way of learning how to shoot? And then every time you pass a row of bottle caps, she actually like gets a higher percentage hit ratio and headshot ratio as the computer plays her. So huh. that you see marked improvement in Ashley's shooting. So not only is she helping you, but she gets better the more bottle caps you get. So there's motivation besides money to do the shooting range. So you are still, it's not changing the fundamental concept of the game, which is Leon is the hero and he needs to watch over the younger, uh, more more normal person, Ashley, who hasn't had to survive this sort of thing. But instead of just treating her like a, a, a sack that he has to carry from place to place, she's actually given some potential to to grow herself and you you get to get to train her that's a fantastic idea and then i would take away the achievement that you get on steam called ballistic secured or whatever when uh you get when you get ashley get to ashley the first time um, i yeah, was not aware of that it, yeah it's called ballistic secured it's a nod to what Luis says or something like that i don't i don't know the exact wording so taking little things like that out and then giving ashley some agency i know everyone loves the little arm pump she does when you get a headshot i love that i feel like she's celebrating but wouldn't it mean something more if she got her own headshots and did her own arm pump for herself um in celebration absolutely um, if they want us to like Ashley, care about Ashley, respect Ashley, and maybe even want to be Ashley if she's going to be playable at some point, why not give her some traits that we can admire, by, as you're describing? Anything's really better than her just constantly cowering and being used as a prop more than anything else. I mean, when we talk about the objectification of women, this is, this is a prime example. She helps you with puzzles. She helps you unlock the tall doors and she helps you pull down the handles. And when you don't need her, you put her away. You put her in a dumpster and close the lid, right? And then when you need her again, you whistle like she's a dog and she pops her head out like a little groundhog or a gopher or something and goes to find you. Um, and that's the objectification aspect right there. She has no agency of her own. She is, she is a tool. She, she is an, uh, an, an object you care about, which is kind of sexism from people who don't think they are sexist 101 i can't count how many people have told me well i'm not sexist i'm married to a woman i love women i'm like yeah but how do you treat her and how, how do you think of her and likewise you know i'm not racist i've got black friends well do you think they're the same as you or are they just sort of a prop for you or sort of a, a method of entertainment for you do you really relate with them oh well i don't know if i can you know that sort of thing comes up pretty quickly so yeah you Ashley is really likable and she's attractive but she doesn't have to be attractive as an object that you just carry around or use as contrast geez we could go on and on about this I hope you don't stop talking about this just because this segment is going to end pretty soon because you are so filled with bubbling fun interesting ideas about this and I want everyone to hear them so please keep talking about it uh, wherever you can hopefully back here at some point too and geez before we wrap up is there anything you want to shout out to anybody or anything else you want people to know i'm on twitter i do something called potato lady podcast reviews where i tweet out a daily review of a podcast just to give it a little more buzz and that's at beck scoose that's b-e-x-g-o-o-s i also do a podcast with my husband called not again with an exclamation point at the end um and we're at not again pod we just overanalyze kids shows um and then yeah, I, I want to shout out my very good friend, Martin, because without them, I don't think that I would have ever 
um, seen your tweets about your wonderful podcasts. And uh, so, yeah, you can follow them at is this Martin, but it's spelled M-A-R-T-Y-N. They just tweet out some fun stuff and they do some podcasts of their own. So it would be awesome if you gave them a follow. Jeez. Thank you for being on and we'll talk again soon. Thanks to you as well. Feminists will come and take your games away. By feminists, of course, I mean your mom. She's coming. Can't wait to have her on the show again and definitely check her out. She's constantly reviewing other podcast Becks, and when she reviews them, she does little handwritten images and tweets them. So That's it's really like sweet. From a teacher writing like, great job, kids. Like, it's very, very touching. I know what it's like to be her. I have treated my audience like kids sometimes because I am old enough to be their grandfather in some cases. Oof. I know. That's got to hurt. If I was a proactive teen, I would be the grandfather to some of these folks potentially. And if I had a proactive teen uh, son who became <laughs> a or, or daughter who became a parent early. So, yes, she was wow. wonderful. And I related a lot with her. She said a lot of the things I have thought and wish I had said and thought myself talking about video games and sexism with that kind of loving touch like she really loves Resident Evil 4 I know I know she's like I can see that I don't like this but I I don't like certain aspects of this I should say yeah but she still just enjoys the game Mm -hmm. and you know what she really enjoys is kicking ass at the game Mm -hmm. that's the best part when you can kick some ass and it's hard and you're still kicking ass yeah that's the best part and she is attracted to Leon and Lewis uh, in the game so she was doing the thing that I think about a lot that happens with guys playing games a ton. Cishet guys are presented with sexy women characters to play as. And on one hand, you want to have sex with them. And on one hand, you want to be them. The Fatal right. Frame series I was talking about earlier did that. Lollipop Chainsaw, which we talked a little bit about mm-hmm. last time. I had forgotten that talking to women about video games as a concept is most well known for this interview I did with... Jessica Negri, who is a cosplayer, she played the main character of Lollipop Chainsaw in a promotional tour before it came out. And I did an episode of this show talking to women about video games with her. It has like 300,000 views because she's really attractive. So people are like, I will watch that because Sexy Girl is in it. Yeah. In that episode, I, in a Stephen Colbert, Borat sort of way, but people didn't know I was doing that, pretended to be a sex-shaming feminist. And I said, you dress too sexy. You are making things sexist by being too sexy. And she was like, I'm a woman. I can dress however I want. Right. I feel good in these clothes. And kind of pushed back. And she was the good guy and I was the bad guy. And then at the end, we hug. But I act all sex-shamed. I'm like, I don't want to look at you while we're hugging. It's got 300,000 views. People were hopefully entertained by it, but they hated me. They didn't know I was joking. You were a villain. I was the villain. But she was the hero. And that was worthwhile to me. But that was a game I played. Do you feel redeemed? No. <laughs> Never. I'm glad her career took off since then. They've made like a documentary about her. She, oh, wow. She's really, really good at being sexy and having a relationship that's beyond just objectification online. She'll post pictures of herself in wearing almost no clothes and it's pure like, you know, pinup girl, blah, blah, blah. And then the next picture will be her being like... Like a, right, right, right. a goofy face. Like, oh, and she'd also be like my best friend and we right. joke around. And, and we play video games. Exactly. And she makes her own costumes. She collects a bunch of like games she's, and toys she's and She's a dream girl. She is the dream nerd girlfriend for yeah. a lot of a lot of guys. And she has risen uh, above the rest in that kind of whole genre of business. 
There's women, as I think we talked about in our VTubers episode, who are just like, I'm going to be your fake girlfriend online. And she's risen above it because she actually wants to be everybody's friend in real life. And she's willing to take risks and be genuine and, and not just be the pinup girl. She's she's also really funny and really passionate about games and will just talk about games for a long time. So she's she's a star. So she's killing it. She's killing it. Words. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud of her. <laughs> not that not she needs so that proud of me. yourself. Oh, no. I, I could <laughs> no, never be there. That was good, though. <laughs> sure. I mean, you really convinced people. I think That's so. That's what you did. Yeah. So you did it right. I was acting like a, a little Andy Kaufman style, faking them into thinking I was really a jerk. But, you know, do you know rule? I think it's pose law, I think it is. There's all these little oh. sayings for these things. There's one that if you parody something, but you do a really accurate job, then you didn't do anything different than the thing you're making fun of. You are as bad as what you made fun of. Yes. So I, I did that. I was as bad as the thing I made fun of, but Jessica looked good, and that's the good news. Man, I talked about that for a lot longer. Yeah, that's okay. Than I planned. You can you can do that. <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> but I have to keep the episodes short enough to fit on Buzzsprout I and know. blah, blah, blah. I'm always oh, trying to we'll move things along. We'll just have to fix it later. Yeah, that's what we do. We usually fix it later. Anything you wanted to talk about in there? Am I calling on you too much? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, wait. There no. was a pause, and I was like, oh, I'm not going to move uh, on until I know, she gets I know. a chance. <laughs> um, all I know is I think Bex has a lot of other really good things to say about video games, and I really enjoyed how she took a look at the women in the video game as being a tool, but also something you could really identify with, but then you you used her anyways, and mm. you would put her away. And it, I thought that was really neat how she thought about how could we make her be valued in a different way while still keeping the essence of the character. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I liked. A lot of it was about agency, I think. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Which is a big, it makes a big difference. If you give a character agency, it is very hard to be sexist towards them at the same time. I think if you decide to include agency in humanity, you can do a lot of different things. You can even make people monsters. You can make someone have four arms and a thong bikini, as we're going to talk about with Casey in a second, and still make them someone who is both sexy and not sexist. Mm. Let's cut over to Casey. She's got a heart of goodness. She is a sloth, and when it comes to video games, she really talks, she really does talk. So we're back again with Casey, so excited to hear what's on Casey's mind. When it comes to video games or whatever is going to happen, it is relatively unplanned. So what, uh, what attracts you? to games and what what do you find attractive in game characters i mean i'm curious about that hopefully that's not too personal but that is incredibly personal how dare you um but like um so characters like uh, like zarya in overwatch i can't i kind of got a bit of a crush on i kind of oh do you know i think so i don't play overwatch so and there's so many characters now i want to make sure i'm getting the right one can you describe that character to me Buff Russian lady with the pink hair. That's <laughs> the one with pink hair. That's right. Yeah, yeah, very attractive. And I, I, and... I, I, I don't know. I think there's, some, there's something that I find very, um, very attractive about the, the, the kind of the, the, the very large buff 
lady who could who could bench press me in a second. Sure. And just sure. just sit, just grab me and just go start going up, 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 up and down. Just I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's something that well, growing up for me, we did not get buff ladies like that very often. The only one I can think of that even comes close. I believe her name is Mary from Tobol Number One, and she was strong, but she wasn't that buff. And literally, nobody knows about her compared to Laura Croft or Jill Valentine or whatever. So, so yeah, it's been great for me to see this blossom, this this variety of of women characters to be attractive and variety of different ways over the years. Has that worked for you? Have you noticed that things are getting sexier in a way that works for you in games over the past few years? Definitely. I think I think I think I think I'm definitely feeling more catered to in a lot of ways. Mm. Have you ever played any Mortal Kombat? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, one of my favorite characters in Mortal Kombat, like I, I was playing the Mortal Kombat games for many years. Um back in the day when I was a kid, uh, mm-hmm. like when Mortal Kombat 3 came out, we had that on the Sega Mega Drive. Although mm-hmm. I believe you called it the Sega Genesis. True. But Mega Drive is cool. Very cool. So one of my favorite characters from Mortal Kombat 3 was um, Shiva. Yeah. And she she like she had this really horrible costume uh, that looks like like kind of kind of this, this weird Borat wedgie bikini. <laughs> For people who don't know, Shiva is a, if I remember correctly, a four-armed, muscular monster that yeah. has uh, still has a lot of, of feminine traits to it, kind of a, a woman version of Goro. But yeah. that that does her a disservice, I think, because Goro, in many for many folks, forgotten Shiva, a total sex symbol, and you're not the first person, even on this podcast who's told me that they, they find Shiva very attractive. A lot, but especially now, the latest Mortal Kombat. Mm-hmm. Um, she hasn't been in the game since Mortal Kombat 9. Okay. Um, she's in the game sporadically, in the series sporadically. And they didn't have her in 11 at launch. But Mortal Kombat, uh, was it Aftermath? They added her as a DLC character and was like, yes! And... <laughs> They completely redesigned her, and now she looks so cool as fuck. Awesome. And did they lean into the sex appeal? Because that's something a lot of... She, like, whoever did the design on her is, is is like, they did an amazing job, because she looks badass as fuck. She looks, mm. she looks, she looks way tougher, and... There's, there's a lot of great detailing in her costume, so instead of the, the, the wedgie bikini, uh-huh. um, she's got, she's got, like... Little bit of armor, hmm. but if you look if you look closely, like the piece of armor that she has on her torso makes makes up the shape of the skull, and it looks it's it's like it's that silly over the top Mortal Kombat kind of detailing that is that is hilarious, and I, I love it. It's 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 silly, but it's cool, mm-hmm. and it just it's yeah, the whole game is just silly and cool. Yeah, it's a great way of summing up Mortal Kombat at its best, and it's kind of aware of its silliness whereas at the time i think when they put her in the the thong bikini they were just thinking we need to make her sexy for the cishet guys who we think are are playing this and what are they like uh i guess like thongs but now i hope they know that their audience is broader than that and they can make a woman character like 
Shiva be attractive, but also allow players to think, wouldn't it be awesome if I were her? So it's not just, I want to be with her. It's also, and I would want to be her if I could. And, and to jump between those two perspectives on her, both identifying with her and also thinking about about knowing her and being with her. So to have both is, is always better, I think. It's one of, one of the highlights of my life. When I say something you find interesting, you go, hmm, and just sort of sit on it. Ah, oh, I feel like yeah. I'm on a comfy pillow. It's so nice. I'm trying to think of other game characters and things that have... Well, I was going to ask, Shiva, does Shiva count as a furry character? Because Shiva's not human, but Shiva's not based on any particular animal that I'm aware of. So it's no. kind of writing that line. No, she wouldn't be. But in the Mortal Kombat mythos, her race is like half dragon or something like that. Oh, right. Uh-huh. But it, I would say I would say more monstrous rather than furry. So it slots more into the kind of the sort of more into the monster fucker genre. <laughs> you know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like in, like um like when Guillermo del Toro won an Oscar for his great monster fucker movie, um, The Shape of Water. Mm, a fantastic you know, that's, movie. You know, I wish there was a little subtle way to put this, but yeah, you know, the the, the monster fucker is kind of kind of a, a, a genre of media where I don't know, it's like hmm. Maybe maybe the, the monsters are kind of hot. And people desperately want to have sex with monsters. I see Jason Voorhees' like romance comics on the oh, regular. I've, 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 seen, I've seen some of the, some of those weird Jason Voorhees, really, really hot and buff Jason Voorhees. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, people will have fantasies about anything. They'll project a lot of different things that they might find desirable onto characters that would be you know designed as monstrous but something about that clicks with them mm-hmm. you know like yeah the, like the outcast there's, there's a lot of um a lot of gay people would have kind of crushes on villains because a lot of villains in media tend to be queer coded mm-hmm. you know so absolutely you kind of you kind of get that that kind of outsider this there's a there's a bit of sympathy there you know. Sure. And and a hope to, I think, for me anyway, whenever I'm attracted to a monster, which is pretty rare, but it's happened, it's because it's something I'm afraid of. And I think if I could get close to it and have a healthy relationship with it, all this energy I have about it could be turned into something positive where it's, you know, intimate and affectionate and, and not so terrifying. So, so sometimes something you're... But basically what you're saying is doom... But what if we could date the monsters? <laughs> I think that would sell. I think that of would sell. Of course it would. <laughs> and their asses in the original Doom, so perky and shiny and well-defined, like not an ounce of fat on those muscular glutes on the, on the hell demons and whatnot. Very, very sexy, those cacodemon. Uh, no, the cacodemon, is that the... Is that the, the round ball? Like yeah, the that's the beholder. Character. Is that... Is that not no, a I won't judge if that's what that's what you're into. <laughs> I mixed up my my demons for a moment there in the heat of the moment, uh, talking about those hot demons. And I'm just grateful you're you're on again, Casey. Hope to talk to you again to soon. On. Take care of yourself. That was Casey talking. She's so cool. Hey, Casey, thanks for being on the show. I had a great time. 
Oh, Casey. Such a unique voice and a valuable voice. So really privileged to have her a part of the show. And the only person I know who would gleefully be like, monster fuckers? <laughs> just, <laughs> just with this innocence mixed with uh, willing to get down and dirty with it. Definitely. Very proud of that. And it is a really interesting topic. The whole idea of a game's appeal being based around how sexy the characters are. We talked about it with Resident Evil 4. We talked about it with that game Sense, again, I think it's called. Hmm. Cyberpunk Ghost Story. They just made their characters sexy and hoping, I think, in, in order to get it to sell. We've seen Nintendo do it a lot lately. Nintendo has a series called Fire Emblem, and it was going way, way down in sales. They almost canceled it until they're like, let's just put butts in it. Let's make it so you can date hot girls, and we're just going to show a lot of butts. There was one year where every Nintendo game just had so much ass. It, oh. was, it was ass nonstop. Yeah, arms had ass, Breath of the Wild, tons of Zelda I thought you ass. were talking about actual arms having asses. I was like, <laughs> there's that much ass? They didn't quite take it that far. There's a character, I believe her name is Twinelle, and she has hair that she can hit you with. Whoa. And she also has, like, a huge ass. And shows it like it's prom- It's like in the middle of the screen in her reveal trailer. Uh, they were they were really big on ass for a little while because it it sells, but not for me. What is this going to make me sound like? Final Fantasy VII just had a remake that came out this year. A lot of people saying it's their favorite game of the year. Final Fantasy VII. Have you heard of that one? Yes. Yeah, you've probably heard about it from Tom Berry's. Yes, uh, that's correct. <laughs> it's, uh, it was a, a game I loved. And I loved those characters. I empathized with those characters. I drew fan art of those characters. I thought about them all the time. So they re-released it with like the new graphics and I should be all excited. But they made them all like really sexy and it actually turned me off. Really? Yeah, everyone I know- Did it take away the mystery? It made them no longer icons and instead made them look like generic models. Oh. They didn't have enough character. They used to have a lot of personality, but with very little because it was a PlayStation 1 game. So the graphics were minimal, sort of almost like the way Minecraft looks, except with a little bit more personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I, I can put myself in them. There's this. <laughs> I didn't mean it like, oh, good gravy. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. That's okay. It's not fun. Uh, I used to see myself in them. I used to project my own thoughts and feelings onto them because they were such simple shapes. Yeah. There's this whole thing about character design, like Charlie Brown, for instance. Right. Or a smiley face. You've seen the smiley face buttons. You look at that face, you feel like that could be me. Where if you see a really detailed face, you're like, that is somebody somebody else. else. Exactly, exactly. So I saw them in this game, and I'm like, those are all models. Those aren't me. And I didn't relate with them. Everyone I know that loved that game really wants to have sex with one or more of those characters. Because they are very conventionally attractive now. Did they want to have sex with them before? Sort of. As ideas. And usually fan art. Like, very sexy fan art of them. Well, that's the thing that I... I, I'm taking a little side turn here. I think when you create such detailed characters you're taking something away from the player because now they can't use their imagination anymore and their fan art i mean of course they can redo it how many people have redone the disney characters for Mm, example sure but i kind of love the idea of making it less detailed so that you really can make up your own story about them or how they look absolutely you know as i was saying before they used to look like minecraft characters sex aside (laughs) guess who the most popular video game characters are in the world right now it's all minecraft characters you can make a video using minecraft graphics 
with just tons of bad jokes. My son is five. He loves them now. Wow. He wants to just watch bad Minecraft comedy with what are conventionally bad graphics, low detail, ugly textures. But he sees that and he relates with it because it's so low detail you can put yourself into it. Yeah. Yeah. Minecraft sold better than Final Fantasy VII Remake. I think it should have looked like Minecraft. I would have bought it if it did. But here we are with me not getting what I want and me feeling <laughs> left out. So when I'm not horny for all these video game characters, horny, horny? Horny. <laughs> I wasn't sure. You you put how to your your throat into it. I did. Yeah. Whenever I say horny, I think of a particular episode of The Simpsons where Grandpa Simpson is listing all the words you can't say, like you've oh, done a few yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. And he says, "Horny, family <laughs> jewels." And I'm doing an old man voice a lot today. So yeah, I feel like Grandpa Simpson when I say horny. Very uncool when I say it. But yeah, I wasn't turned on like everybody else was. I used to love these characters, and they all wanted to have sex with them in this new remake, and I didn't. I had some feeling of I was being left out. The, the because you didn't want to have me. sex with him? And I don't want to have sex with, like, almost any video game character. I, I I need to know that the person I'm having sex with is going to feel something from the sex that I have with them. That they're not just a vapid, yeah, animated... Yeah, just a, a, a sex doll, like in, in Leisure Suit Larry. I can't picture just... And, and it's changed a lot. When I was a teenager and I was scared of sex, and I was like, I don't want to do it wrong. Oh, no. The, the idea of having sex with fantasy characters was very safe. And I actually right. talked about this with Kaiju, but we didn't get to that clip, unfortunately. So listen for that next episode, how I used to really be attracted to characters in, in Japanese cartoons. Mm -hmm. These days, it's people or nothing. And even, even pornography, I'll be like, this doesn't feel real enough to me. I need to have sex with real people. What mm. have I become? I, of... <laughs> I, I mean... Like a just a pretty well adjusted individual, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's a place for me in video games. If no, that's... there isn't any. I, you should just quit. <laughs> quit it all now. <laughs> just kidding. I'd love the listeners to weigh in, weigh in on that. For for you, have you ever been attracted to a video game character? Can you picture? No, that? no, no. Just like um. No, well, first off, I haven't really seen enough video games for me to be attracted to the characters. Mm. And the types of video games I like are more like the fun, like. Katamari. Yeah. I that's the type of stuff I like. But I will say that my very first crush was Michael J. Fox from uh, <laughs> Back to the Future. And I think that he is definitely a human. Yep. And he is in at least one video game. There's a Back to the Future 2 video game on the Super Nintendo that was never released here. That's a kind of a holy grail of Michael J. Fox video games. Yeah. That was what it was. <laughs> I, that my very first crush. He's like, he's, he's very so, he's so cute. He's cute and safe, but still right? still like kind a good of person. wild. Yeah, a little bit wild. Little, yeah, yeah. Teen Wolf, horny as hell in Teen Wolf. I could relate. Teen Wolf. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was like, "That's me." I felt like the Teen Wolf. All right. Have you seen it, Teen Wolf? Oh yeah. Yeah, making out in the closet and boof. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. But my brother. Instead, made me watch American Werewolf in London. Because <laughs> How I had old an older you? brother. I don't know. I was young. <laughs> you know, older brothers. Just listening to metal and watching weird shit, I well, guess. you turned out great. So thank you, older brother. Well, I think we're out of talk. I yeah. We well, I mean, out. we could, but... We should be. We should probably wrap it up, yes. Uh, a more tangential episode than usual. We'll see what happens in the edit. Maybe nothing. Maybe we'll just give it to you unfiltered, folks. That's what Joe Rogan does. And PewDiePie, uh. he doesn't edit a darn thing, I don't think. 
and people think he's the best, so maybe I'll follow there. He does have a nice face. Ah, oh, son of a, I'm so jealous of him, if you couldn't tell. So Tanya, plug yourself. Tell us where we can find more Tanya out there. Definitely, you can um, head over to the Kitty Cat Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Besides SoundCloud, we're not there. No. Sorry, guys, I know that's where a lot of people get this. Yeah. So I'm like, get it, get me wherever. No, you can't. That's a lie. <laughs> but yeah, uh, and that, that's my other show. Yeah, Kitty Cat Podcast has for me. I'm on Boston's Favorite Son. We're putting out a lot more episodes lately. It's a show where I get sexually objectified a lot. So And you just take it. Yeah, I take it right right up the A. A lot of time. <laughs> so is swearing. And I write for a magazine called Nintendo Force, and I'm on another podcast called The Worst Song on Earth, where we actually just talked about 645AR, who's the rapper who's like... Oh my god, yes. No, no, so and he nice. retweeted us. No fucking way. <laughs> he, did. he did. I was like, we talked about 645AR on the show. He, he makes me feel good in such a weird way. And he was like, yeah, dog. He was like, he's into it. Do you think he listened? He definitely not. Nice. <laughs> so nice. We're, we're blowing up on that show. It's a funny show, I hope. And it's a fun, thoughtful show amongst friends about songs. And I hope you listen to us. And I hope you spread the word about this show. Last episode did great, but not as great as it could have. Uh, I always want more. I know you're shocked. I'm you're like, like don't, don't tell them don't, that. Yeah, I'm also like, why you gotta be so negative all <laughs> the time? Because I want more. <laughs> I'm so hungry for people to hear the guests on the show and for people to spread the word about them. So please, tell at least one friend about this show into the new year and it will do us a lot of good. And that's it for me. Okay. So what's it going to take for you to be okay with saying ass? <laughs> or shit is actually also okay. <laughs> I sometimes say ass, but I always wonder. Ass is okay. Shit ass? Shit and ass are okay. You can put that on primetime TV. <laughs> but it's, it's ass. Yeah, I know. It's ass.